Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Kip Adams was not able to be with us tonight. And uh, big win for Georgia. An emphatic statement, early season statement. Still just one game. But uh, Georgia answered some questions on, uh, on, on Saturday night against Auburn. 27-6. It was dominance. Basically... After the two teams traded three and outs, Rusty, it was all Georgia all the time. Auburn, uh, you know, tried to put a little something together, but, you know, the, the numbers tell a big story in this one. I mean, you know, Georgia doubled them up pretty much in total yardage, uh, didn't allow anything on the ground. That, that, that prediction you had about the defensive line on in the line of scrimmage came to fruition. And, uh, I, you know, listen, I, you picked Georgia – um by 10 14 i can't remember i think it was 20 to 7 or 20 to 10 or something like that i picked georgia 24 14 um preseason i had them picked 24 to 10 uh, i don't think either one of us quite expected georgia to just suffocate them like they did and and oddly enough they suffocated them on both sides of the ball in different ways they demoralized them on offense and just kind of kept it away from them and put together long drives defensively, didn't allow hardly anything until the game um, was already a three-score game. And, uh, you know, Rusty, just kind of tell us about what you saw and, and what you, you know, kind of the, the thoughts you had as you were kind of watching that thing unfold. You know it. You're right. I think I picked it 20 to 7 in the preseason. I picked it 20 to 6, oddly enough, uh, the other day. But, you know, if Georgia's who we think they are, this was the game that they needed to do what they needed to do. And, you know, I kept telling you, Jake, you know, what am I – are we seeing this? I mean, I called several people. You know, I talked to Barton Simmons. I called a couple of my buddies that are that have played SEC football. And I said, look, man, am I seeing this wrong? I mean, because I totally feel like Georgia's about to dominate Auburn. And – I just as we dug into it, the four offensive linemen that Auburn replaced, uh, you know, they played some. I, I went back and watched. I was so worried that I was way off. I went back and watched the Auburn game last year on Saturday. I mean, they lost some really talented offensive linemen. And I'm just just to be honest, because that's part of our job. I don't really think that Auburn is where they need to be right now, offensive line. I don't think they've got what they need on the edge at tackle. Uh, Brodarius Ham, I think, is a guard. He's trying to play tackle. He had problems all night long with Adam Anderson. That was one mismatch. It was problems. Interior-wise, they couldn't handle Georgia. And I just felt like that, you know, Georgia was in complete control. I felt like they were going to be in control. I wasn't too concerned offensively. I didn't know that uh, if Georgia was going to score, you know, 14, 16, 18, 20, 27 points. I just felt like that Auburn 
couldn't do enough damage without some turnovers. And uh, Georgia didn't turn the ball over, and they held Auburn, I think, 39 yards rushing. And, you know, it, it just really solidified a couple of things that, you know, here's Georgia. This really is one of the top four or five teams in the country. And I think Auburn's definitely, um, you know, probably a top 20 team, but they've got some, they got some ways to go offensively. And, you know, it's not my, my part of my job to really dig in too much on them, but I just felt like this was a big, big time matchup uh, mismatch for Auburn with Georgia right now. And you're right, Jake, both sides of the ball, Georgia is a lot deeper than Auburn right now. And and I want to explain what I mean because about the suffocation aspect of it. Because defense, you hear it about defense all the time. It's you know uh, you know you you bring up all the time, Rusty, about Barton's you know talking about Alabama's defense in the past and how it's kind of like a boa constrictor, and it just tightens up on you and and it's almost like the harder you fight. Actually, he said that about Georgia. I mean, that's kind right. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he Georgia, made that yeah. same. Yeah, it made that same thing. And, and it's almost like the harder you fight, the harder you press, the tighter it gets. And then you start turning the ball over, and then it just gets out of hand. Um, I, I want to say the same thing about the way Georgia's offense played against Auburn because in a different way, it just – they kept putting pressure on Auburn over and over again with second and five and second and four and second and three – and it was third down after third down after third down. I mean, George, Stetson Bennett was was eight of eight of eleven, I believe it was, or nine of eleven for 111 yards on third down. I mean, his quarterback rating right now is over 200, and that's a college quarterback rating. It's different than the NFL. NFL tops out at I think 158.3, but his quarterback rating on third and seven to nine yards is over 200, and it's right at 200. It's like 187 on third and, and, and 10 or more. I mean, he is, he is out, he's been outstanding in those third and long situations. And it's just like Georgia was kind of forcing Auburn as that first half went along and that game was still in question. Georgia was forcing Auburn to take some chances. And then, you know, it's, it, I think it's 10 nothing at one point. Auburn gets to third down. Georgia's already converted a few big ones. They try to come after Stetson Bennett again. He just puts one on the money to George Pickens at 17 to nothing. And then, you know, you you look at the creativity in terms of the goal line packages and how easy that was for Georgia with, with Jordan Davis in there at tight end and Jalen Carter in there at fullback. And, you know, those two got a lot of attention. But I'll tell you what, I, I think it was on the first touchdown run. John Fitzpatrick comes off the ball, snaps one dude's head back, um, leaves him alone, snaps another dude's head back, and then all of a sudden Zamir White's running by both of them for a touchdown. Uh, that that was a Georgia team with a lot of attitude on Saturday. And and that's kind of what I'm getting at when I say um, I felt like Georgia kind of suffocated them, kind of – kind of uh, I don't, I don't want to get too graphic here, but kind of held a pillow over their head uh, from the offensive side of the ball. Rusty, I, I want to get your take on this, but one thing that really surprised me was how Georgia – dominated the line of scrimmage on offense. Now, I expected Georgia had a chance – I thought Georgia had a chance to win the line of scrimmage on offense. And, you know, the numbers, you know, there there have been times a couple years ago, uh, last time Auburn visited Athens, Georgia ran for over 300 yards against a defensive line that had Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson and, and some studs. But I, it was just 
it was almost like anytime Georgia really wanted it, anytime it had a drive where it was just kind of like, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to ram it down the throat, they did. And, and that was one thing that really surprised me about that game. is, and, and, and that's coming from somebody that just didn't put a ton of stock into week one. I knew week one was week one. I didn't think Georgia's offensive line was in trouble. I thought there would be some changes. There weren't other than Warren McClendon bumping in at right tackle. But Georgia's interior, man, was just – they came to play. And uh, that was one thing that really surprised me. Anything that kind of jump out to you as a surprise as, as to kind of what happened in that game? I mean, Jake, we all are learning each week. We're learning who guys are and more and more. And I think that we pretty much know who Justin Schaefer, Ben Cleveland, and Trey Hill are. Are they perfect? No, they're not. But can they really move you out of the box? Yes, they can. Now, saying that, they did a lot of that yesterday. But i tell you what I was impressed with was, uh, you know, extra yards after contact. And – you look at Zamir White, how many yards he got after contact yesterday. There were times where he got hit for two or three-yard gain that he turned into a six-yard gain. I can't tell you how many times Georgia was in second and five, and I thought Auburn had made a good play on first down. You know, he gets two extra yards, those tough yards. James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, you know, we all talk about him. We're all impressed with him. I think he has great balance, great vision. Uh, he is a violent runner. He he is very good in small spaces. And, yes, that interior played well yesterday. I haven't got a chance. I'm actually watching the tape right now, but I don't know how good they played on the edge, Jamari and McClendon and Condon. But I'll tell you, on the inside, there is no question. And, again, again, Derek Brown, I know Marlon Davidson played a lot on the edge last year, Dontavious Russell and all those guys. Auburn did have – those guys are gone. And I just don't see it. I don't see NFL first-rounders, a second-rounder, dominant, dominant defensive lineman. When you think about Auburn, you think about those guys, and specifically Derek Brown and the problems that he caused last year. Man, he was a handful watching that game Saturday, the, the replay that morning. But, you know, I'll just tell you that um, those guys played good. I thought, I thought, you know, I don't do the grade, but – I would be surprised if Ben Cleveland didn't grade out in one of the best games he's had. And you got to say kudos to Matt Luke, man, because, you know, we're learning him. We're learning this team. But the improvement from week one, and by the way, I said this last week, I'm going to be clear. I told everybody that Arkansas was better than what people are thinking. I watched that game. They got some guys. They, they fly around the ball. And, you, Jake, you've been around football long enough to know, you can tell those kids are playing their ass off. And what happened Saturday night at Mississippi State shouldn't surprise a bunch. And I'm telling you what, they go to Auburn this week. And and that I'll dig into that later in the week, but I'm telling you right now, they're going to give Auburn everything they want this week. I guarantee it. And, uh, you know, I just think that uh, the, the interior line, uh, yards after contact, all those things put together, you got the result you had in the run game on Saturday night. Yeah, as long as Auburn can kind of – uh, Arkansas, I'm sorry, can kind of get over the hangover of that first win and that great feeling and, and get over it quickly. I, I think I think they've got a chance to kind of uh, give Auburn all they can handle. Um, you know, I, I look at this, and, and this is a story for later in the week, but I, th I do think Georgia's got a more talented, better overall football team that's playing better right now coming to town this week than this past week. 
Um, I, th- I think Tennessee is is on the rise, and I think Tennessee's playing good football right now. And um, I'm really interested to see uh, how that game shapes out. And we're going to get to some of uh, some of Tennessee on this one, but obviously we'll save most of it for the Thursday show. Um, uh, w- one thing, Rusty, that that kind of jumped out to me was Ben Cleveland. And I tell you what, man, when when Georgia plays Auburn, you know Ben Cleveland got inserted into the starting lineup after the beatdown at Jordan-Hare a couple years ago or three years ago in, in 2017. And he was back in the starting lineup. I believe it was against – he was in the starting lineup against Kentucky. He supplanted uh, Solomon Kinley at right guard and never gave that spot up. He got injured and, and you know, I guess Cade Mays uh, was kind of sharing reps with him. And uh, but he, he, I thought he played a good game uh, in the SEC championship game, Georgia, the Georgia Auburn round two that year. And I, I would venture to say that that game and this past one are probably two of the best games of his career. He almost turns into a, a Bob Baffert trained thoroughbred whenever, whenever he plays Auburn. And and listen, he's a really good lineman to begin with. I mean, I, I was kind of shocked at all of the folks you know at the junkyard that kind of wanted Trey Hill to move to right guard move Ben Cleveland out of the lineup I think some of that had to do with Trey Hill snapping issues and folks wanted to see those he didn't really have a ton of those on Saturday even though Stetson Bennett kind of had to do a good job handling a few snaps um but but he he definitely handled his business on the inside I thought Warren McClendon did a really good job I did study the edges Jamari Sawyer had a couple of issues early on like with with some inside moves and things like that that kind of disrupted some stuff um but but he corrected it as the game went on I mean really a sign of a good player offensive line played great tight ends were great in the run game didn't factor a ton into the passing game uh, you know they, it looked like they were trying to get him involved early with John Fitzpatrick being targeted two times in a row on the open and drive he dropped one one was thrown over his head um you know it's a little sloppy play there early Georgia had a couple of penalties on the punt team and then Auburn turned around and gave a couple penalties back but uh you know uh, the wide receiver play Rusty uh you know while, while we were all talking about who was going to be the number two uh, to George Pickens? Kiaris Jackson must have been behind the scenes, kind of laughing if he saw any of that. Probably didn't, but I mean, nine catches for 147 yards, had one called back because of a George Pickens illegal block. I mean, that cat has come to play in 2020, and and, and it really looks like you know he's the guy that's feasting off all the attention that George Pickens is getting right now, right? Man, we we we've been around this long enough to know that that kid is Peach County tough, and that you come out of a program like that with Chad Campbell and those guys. I mean, you practice hard, you play hard, and you get coached hard. And I'm telling you that um, Karras was was not going to back down. You were going to get everything. Don't forget now. This is a ten seven hundred meter. This is a guy that almost won the hundred in the. 100 meters it was shot put in discus i think he did win it so you look at an athlete like that and he was going to get his opportunity certainly made the most of it and it seems to me he has this certain comfort level with stetson bennett i mean stetson bennett going back and look at this tape right now in the first half i mean he he's looking for your, he's looking for garris jackson now they got to find a way to get the ball more to to george pickens they got to get more targets i don't care what they're showing what coverage you got to get it to him. Now, I'm not saying force it. But they got to find ways to get creative on him. But what Karis Jackson is doing 
is I think I think Kiaris is really doing what we kind of thought Demetrius Robertson was going to be that guy. He was going to be that role. Uh, but Kiaris Jackson, man, shouldn't surprise any of us and shame on us for kind of uh, pushing him to the side a little bit. But he's a tough, physical kid. He has good hands. Um, he got behind the Auburn defense last night on, and made a great recovery on a ball that was underthrown a little bit. Comes back, shields the defender with his body, and still maintain uh, his position to catch the ball. So, you know, I went back and looked uh, at some stuff on Karis today and went back and looked at some of the notes I'd made and uh, a lot of tweets. And one thing that 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 uh, probably is a little unappreciated in his commitment video, he had Bell Bib DeVoe poison plan. So I should have known from then it was a no-brainer on him, but I won't make that mistake. Anytime you got Bell Bib DeVoe, your commitment video, you're good to go with me. And he's given Georgia the run after the catch, running through arm tackles, getting the extra yardage, kind of turning into a running back after he catches the ball. And, um, you know, there's only so long – there's only so long that – it's only so long that teams are going to be able to do what they're doing right now. Because I did notice on several occasions of them trying to give George Pickens some double coverage and 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 trying to bracket him a little bit and – bailing out and 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 you know going with the late adjustment and kind of spending a lot of attention on him and and a lot of resources and energy and and mental energy trying to make sure that Pickens didn't beat him and he did he got him for a 21 yard touchdown one of the best throws of the night from Stetson Bennett but if teams keep doing that if teams keep using that formula Jackson's going to keep racking up big numbers and it's either going to force teams to kind of treat it like it like you got Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna right now for the Braves. You know, if, if, you know, at some point in the year, I feel like teams felt like probably they could pitch around Freddie and get to Marcelo Zuna. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, he's hitting over 300. He's in the mix for the Triple Crown. He's the home run champion of the National League. He's the RBI champion of the National League. You can't do that anymore. And then you kind of have to start playing things a little bit more honest and throwing another guy's strikes, and then that guy starts feasting. So I really feel like that at some point this is going to swing back George Pickens' way, if if only for a game, if only for a couple of games or whatever. It, this is why this is what I was talking about last year that was missing from George's offense. Rusty is, yeah, there's a lot of things an offensive coordinator can do to force the issue and to put the defense under a max amount of pressure, but nothing puts pressure on a defense like having receivers that you know that a they're going to separate b they're going to catch the football and c i mean you have to work hard to to help your guys learn understand you got to rally to the football you got to you've got to uh you've got to close out i mean you've got to do everything as a defensive lineman cover down all of that stuff to get back to the ball because when that guy catches it he's not going to be easy to tackle and Kiaris Jackson's giving Georgia that right now. I mean, he had nine catches yesterday, and the next closest guy had two. And Pickens was that guy. Um, they had several with two, but Pickens was the next closest in terms of catches and yards. And and uh, and I would like to also point this out as well, Rusty. Um, yeah, Kiaris Jackson has stepped up, and he's Georgia's number one receiver right now with 15 catches for, uh, I think, 198 yards or 199 yards through through uh, two games. But a lot of guys are involved. Uh, Demetrius Robertson had a couple of big catches yesterday. 
Uh, you, you saw uh, you saw the running backs get involved. Zamir White had one for 10 yards. John Fitzpatrick had a big one. Jermaine Burton had one. So it's not like other guys aren't doing their part. Stetson Bennett's finding the open man when he's there. And uh, I guess we're at the point now, Rusty, we got to talk a little bit about Stetson Bennett because, yep. um, you know, he got the start, said he knew he was going to get the start on Monday. Karis Jackson, I heard an interview with him on XM where he said they didn't know until Saturday. I, I, I highly doubt that. I'm sure they had a pretty good idea yep. as to who was going to be the starter. But, you know, Bennett comes out there, not the greatest start, but the one takeaway I had from that game was, yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett played well. Stetson Bennett can play a lot better. And that, to me, is good news for Georgia. Yeah, I mean, listen, I watched it with a couple of buddies of mine, and I thought one of them made a real good comment. This is not a guy – this is a – you know, I would say an average fan that watches the games on Saturday and watches football and goes about his life the rest of the week. And, you know, and so I'm, I'm going to say, you know, not what we do, Jake, where we have to dig over games and watch replays and all that. It was simple, but I thought about it, you know, the more he said it and what he said last night, he said, man, he makes everything look so easy. And I thought that was pretty much spot on, man, because you, you look back there and, and you see him, man, he's just doing things and it, it looks, he looks extremely comfortable, if that makes sense. And, you know, we, we're going to pick apart and do this and say that and everything, but you just kind of have that confidence, Jake, when he's back there that he's making the right reads and he's going to find the open guy. And, you know, the play he made, listen, you're staring at Big Cat Bryant, a defensive end that's going to play Sunday football. You're staring at that guy, and he's on a free rush on a third down, and he gives him a spin move, rolls to his left, squares his shoulders, and delivers a ball to Kiaris Jackson for a first down in the red zone. And that, when you're facing Georgia, that is something that you haven't seen a lot of the last couple of years. And, and you know, I don't want to get into all that discussion, but that is what drives you nuts as a defensive coordinator. You got everything dialed up. It happened to Georgia at least twice. And on the first or second, maybe the first series of the game, Georgia goes overload to the right, and, man, do they dial up the perfect blitz. And Adam Anderson comes flying by, and Bo Nix gives him a head wiggle and turns around and escapes. Now, he threw the ball and it got tipped, but that drives you nuts as a defensive coordinator and, and, and those types of things. When you, when you dial up everything and you certainly anticipate your defender being able to get that quarterback to the ground at a full head of steam and, you know, Stetson Bennett, man, he he makes things look easy right now. And I think for Georgia fans, uh, as we're learning about him and watching him play, I think those are the things that excite you because, man, he doesn't look panicked. And he played a team last night that was a top-10 team in the country, ranked with a history of really, really good defense and a hell of a defensive co coordinator in Kevin Steele. And and he never looked, he never looked out of place, Jake. He didn't. He was confident. He really was. And and I want to unpack something right here because you brought up a, a good point. And um, listen, Jake Fromm, we all know, was not a runner. 
He was not a kind of get-out-of-the-pocket type guy, do a lot of things with his legs. He's a highly successful quarterback at Georgia. I think some people give him way too much blame for some stuff, and I think there are some fewer people, in my opinion, that give him way too much credit for stuff. Uh, but let's not also pretend like Auburn didn't bring the house against him in 2018. He didn't hit Terry Godwin for a 40-yard touchdown. Um, so it's not like he, you know, th that that would have been an automatic sack there. But what it would have been, because Georgia had the perfect call on that 40-yard touchdown or 40-something-yard touchdown to Terry Godwin, is if it wasn't the right call, it would have been a throwaway. It would have been maybe a sack, probably not. He didn't take very many of them against the Blitz. He, he was pretty good at seeing them come, especially if, heck, if they're absolutely showing it. But it would have been a fade ball or a quick throw, a low percentage throw or a quick throw that, that may have been tackled before the first down marker. Stetson Bennett went full-blown minor in possession at a party at 18 years old. He heard cops and he ran. I mean, he got out of Dodge. I mean, he was back there in the he was back there in the azaleas for anybody knew about it. Um, he 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 got outside, made a perfect throw, rolling to his left to Kiaris Jackson to convert that. I thought that was the biggest play of the game. It grabbed the momentum for Georgia. The run game really started clicking after that. Georgia gets in the end zone at seven nothing. Defense comes out there, throws you a shutdown inning. Georgia gets three more. Um, a little critical of Todd Munkin on that drive. Maybe there was some stuff that that I don't know about in terms of the looks and some checks maybe, but throwing it three times on first and goal from the four there is probably the way that Georgia was running the ball was probably not um, what you wanted to go with, even though there was a chance there with Pickens to to catch a touchdown and and uh, if Bennett puts it in the right place. But he he did some stuff with with his legs and being able to extend plays. He did one time where he, you know where they they kicked a field goal. Uh, in the second half where he bailed out and, and was able to get rid of the football. And, and that was also a pretty smart, heady play by him. But even when he's running, Rusty, even when he's being chased, he doesn't look stressed. He doesn't look like he's, he's laboring or struggling. He just, he just kind of does what he does. He goes out there and he plays ball and he's capable of playing schoolyard ball and he's capable of playing from the pocket and hitting the timing throws. And, and uh, he's, he's just – there's a gunslinger mentality about him that's impressive because he's not Matthew Stafford from a talent standpoint. And he's not Carson Wentz and some of these guys with bazookas um, on their right shoulder or left shoulder, whatever their throwing arm is. He's, he's a really good athlete and a really good football player who plays quarterback. And, and the game kind of comes naturally to him. I mean, I thought Zamir White nailed it after the game. He said Stetson's a natural baller. And uh, you kind of see that in what he does. And I just keep coming back to it when I watched that game. You know, I, I thought it in real time. It even confirmed it more when I watched it the first and second time afterward was that, you know, Bennett played well. Stetson Bennett can play better. I mean, he, there are throws that he can hit that he showed that he could hit during that game that he didn't in that game. I mean, I, I look at one of the most productive plays to Kiaris Jackson was a play where Auburn busted a coverage and Kiaris was wide open, headed towards the sideline. I don't know if it was a deep over route or an out route. And Stetson kind of put it out there too far. If he puts it on Kiaris Jackson, Jackson catches it and may score because Auburn's defenders have their back to him. It, so, yeah, you know, just watch that play. And yeah, he had to stop to catch it. Um, you're talking about the one in the, in the red zone there early in the game where he came across the field. And no, I'm, t I'm talking about the one where he had to dive to catch it. Ah, sliding out of bounds. Yeah, he was wide open. There was nobody near him. 
See, we, and, we're, lear- we're learning about him. You know, we're yeah, we are. We're with him, we're with everyone else. So, you know, there's going to be all these comparisons. Can he beat, can he beat Florida? Can he beat Alabama? Uh, listen, we're learning. And I'm watching what you're watching, but I'll, I'll say he missed a couple throws. The, the Pickens throw on the corner route in the end zone there, the little comeback, he, he threw it behind, got very lucky that wasn't picked. And then the ball to Kieras early in the game where it's a crossing route, you know, in the open end, the end zone. They, they score two plays later. But if he hits him in stride, it's an easy touchdown. But uh, the Fitzgerald, the Fitzpatrick pass early in the game, he's not perfect. We're learning as well. But I tell you, man, he's making the – he just – Jake, it's hard not to get excited if you're a Georgia fan because he looks like, to me, very comfortable confident and the kids are behind him i know you saw the sec the, the the college football game day thing where the player he was getting interviewed and the players run off the field you see malik uh malik heron you see adam anderson all those guys coming up congratulating him calling him mailman and all that jake that that tells you a lot that, that tells you a lot without saying much you've got to have that locker room you've you've absolutely got to have that locker room and you know, listen, I, I got a column coming out tomorrow morning. Uh, would love for everybody listening to the show to come over to Dogs 24-7 and, and uh, join up so you can read it. But, you know, one of, the, one of the main points in that column is while your hardcore Georgia fans, the ones involved on our message board, other message boards, uh, fan Facebook pages, Instagram pages, whatever, while everybody else was discussing Jake Fromm versus Justin Fields and talking about the addition of Jamie Newman and raving about the addition of, of, of uh, JT Daniels. And we did it too. We absolutely did it too. National media did it too. There was so much discussion over all of that. Rusty, while all that was going on, Stetson Bennett was just behind the scenes, working his tail off, doing what he had to do, being as confident as ever, that eventually the ball was going to end up at his feet and he was going to pick it up and throw it and hit an open guy. And uh, that says a lot about him, a lot about his character. And uh, he, he's done a lot of stuff thus far um, to kind of inspire confidence. That's what he was doing there that, all, that whole time is he was working hard and earning the confidence of his teammates and his coaches. And, you know, this is where we are now. And, uh, and we're watching Stetson Bennett play quarterback for Georgia, just like everybody drew it up in the preseason. Uh, but but let's jump into a break here real quick, Russ. Let's talk about the defense on the other side and and get into kind of Georgia hasn't held a practice for the Tennessee game yet and talk about some of the stuff that Georgia's going to have to do this week to beat Tennessee. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Rusty. 
listen, we've paid a lot of attention to the offense. We've talked a lot about that offense, a lot about how good that offense was and how much it rebounded and played well. Defense still led the way. Uh, what was it? What, what was the number one factor, the, the, the number one key to Georgia's defensive performance on Saturday? Just controlling the game up front with four guys. And um, uh, because Adam Anderson was involved, I'll go back to probably one of the best high school defenses I've ever seen. I think everybody would agree that, that saw them. For two years there, Rome's defense was incredible. And those four kids all went D1. Well, you look at being able to pressure with four guys and then play zone in behind it. Man, it is the best case scenario for Georgia. I know Kirk Herbstreit touched on a little bit last night. And I think Georgia does a great job of when they do bring an extra guy, a Quay Walker, someone like that, a Mark Webb. It's such a that. I'm amazed sometimes at how many Georgia, how many times Georgia has a free shot on the quarterback. And I go back to that LSU game last year, and, man, Joe Burrow was just so good that not only did he avoid those plays, he would burn you and make a 50-yard positive play out of it. But, you know, what they do with their front four, and it starts with Jordan Davis, that was going to be my guy, and I got to go back and see how really good he did play. But, you know, Jake, there's a guy that I'm I'm watching right now, and he's made two plays in a row. He doesn't get the the coverage he probably deserves, and that's Devontae Wyatt. And Devontae Wyatt is a guy that I didn't even know where Towers High School was to go see him. I remember pulling up, and I mean, I've been in the business nine or ten years at the time, and didn't know where that school was. But I go over there, and this guy's there, and you know, South Carolina, Brian McClendon was really involved with that. But what a, what a recruiting win for Georgia to get him because he's starting and he is producing. And, man, it just – to go back and answer your question, they're long, they're fast, and I stand by everything I've said since January. This is probably the best defense that Kirby Smart is going to have at Georgia because of the right mix, man. They've got, they've got the upperclassmen. Man, they got guys – Jake. In reality, let's just cut to the chase. Adam Anderson's fourth string, probably. Third at least. Because Jermaine Johnson didn't play last night. And if Jermaine Johnson's healthy, Adam Anderson's not in there. What did Adam Anderson do when he got his opportunity? He played his tail off. Two sacks. Hey, pressures can absolutely fly. Can absolutely fly. But that tells you right now what kind of depth they are. Zizo Jalari. Had another outstanding game. Um, those linebackers, man, uh, Monty Rice and and Kobe Dean and Quay Walker and those guys. I mean, it's just they've got all the pieces in the puzzle right now. You know, they can't shut out everybody every single week. But I'm telling you right now, it's gonna take a special team, and they're gonna play some potential really special teams down the line. But to drive down the field on Georgia consistently. There's not many teams in the, in the country that can do it. No, there's not. And it's really but, tough to get a big play. Yeah, you got to get a big play on it. And, yeah. and Auburn had two chances last night. Auburn had two chances. And they missed both of them. But that's what makes you a great defense is because you had to be perfect to score on them. They had two chances and didn't get it done. 
and and the window closes, Jake. It's over. You had your two chances, and then we we'll we we'll shut you out the rest of the game. Yeah, it's it. I mean, and I know I keep coming back to baseball here, but it's it's like facing an ace pitcher who you've got to rely on to make a mistake to to get one out of the park on him because Georgia. Georgia made a mistake on those two things you're talking about. You know, both of them, Anthony Schwartz got behind the defense one time. Chris Smith was late getting over. That was in the second half after Richard LeCount got a, got ejected. And, and, and uh, Schwartz had another opportunity against D.J. Daniel. Both of them were on D.J. Daniel. Neither one of them D.J. Daniel's fault because he's a trail technique both times. Um, had another one where Richard LeCount jumped a deep over route. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it, was, it was an opportunity there that, that was missed. And then they didn't hit those, but there weren't any others. And that, that's what made it really, really big. Um, I, look at, I look at one matchup that I highlighted going into the game, and it was primarily Tyson Campbell on Seth Williams. And Seth Williams is a fantastic football player. And I think most of us would agree that Tyson Campbell showed us last year after struggling some as a freshman that he's also a fantastic football player. But – if you want to just talk about the lines of scrimmage to discuss physicality, then you need to flip that tape on because Seth Williams was gassed. He was tired. He was beat up by the time that game was over with because Tyson Campbell took the fight to him. And DJ Daniel, when he got his opportunities, was also very physical with him. And, and that, to me, played a huge role in that game because there were no chunk plays while the game was still in question. Because, listen, when Georgia went up 24 nothing, I mean, 99.9% chance of winning that game. And while the game was still in question, there was no Seth Williams sightings. I mean, there was – he he had a chance to catch a ball near the sideline. DJ Daniel got it – got one across his arms. He bobbled it going out of bounds. He had a chance to make a really incredible catch for a touchdown – that he just kind of came down flat of his back and the ball jarred loose. Uh, those were his two opportunities. You, you, it goes back to what you said a minute ago. Just a couple of chances while the game was still in question. I believe Georgia was actually maybe even up 24 nothing at that point as well. Um, but but those, were, those were the opportunities for Auburn and for Seth Williams, and he didn't get them. And then Tyson Campbell really locked him down in the fourth quarter and after you know kind of getting three catches for 34 yards there on the first couple drives. Uh, but but I, I highlighted that matchup going into the day, not necessarily Tyson Campbell on him, but just Georgia's defensive backs, and uh, and that was a big one, and that that was huge. I thought Chris Smith, Rusty, you know, late getting over on that one play, but yeah. but you didn't. You you look at Auburn and they lost Smoke Monday, and that probably affected them, and you look at Florida last week against Ole Miss and they lost Sean Davis. And they were in trouble. They gave up 600 yards after losing their top safety. Georgia loses their top safety, maybe the top safety in college football, definitely the top safety in the SEC, an All-American. Chris Smith kind of comes in, plays pretty good football, and they're fine. So that, that tells you a little bit about where this Georgia team is talent-wise, where it is depth-wise. And, and listen, safety is a position where Georgia's not incredibly deep. But they, they go one deep there because Chris Smith got some very valuable reps and did some really good things. And, uh, you know, you highlighted Aziz Ojolari, three tackles for a loss, one sack, another forced holding penalty. Mark Webb gets his first career interception. Tyreek Stevenson had a pass breakup. Um, you know, you got – I mean, the different things these guys can do. You got Trayvon Walker, a defensive end, a 280-pound defensive end, running with Tank Bigsby down the sideline, covering him on a wheel route. Yeah. 
Uh, you've got, I mean, you've got Nolan Smith walking out and, and, and standing over the slot, covering the tight end and playing the edge at the same time. You got Nolan Smith at 235, 240 pounds, taking on a pulling lineman and stoning him in his tracks. And, and Auburn's got nowhere to go on a designed quarterback run. Uh, you know, his Georgia defense is built to handle it all. And, uh, it, it, you know, execution, playing well. They're not going to play up to their standard every time out. They're going to do their best and they're going to play well. There's going to be drives. There's going to be quarters where they don't necessarily play the way they're capable of playing. And they, they had some busts on third down. Kirby Smart seemed pretty perturbed about that after the game, uh, that that Auburn was able to convert more third downs. I think it's something like 9 of 19 or 8 of 19. And he said that wasn't their standard. They're usually better than that. So they're, they're going to work on it and, 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 and try to become a pretty good defense, I guess, this week in practice. But I mean, goodness gracious, it was it was a, a total effort, and I, I thought Georgia played well at every level and uh, and did some things. I think the only the only thing that really you know, because every time you look at a big game like that, you've got one area where you're like, golly, you got to shore shore that up. I mean, maybe you do a better job of of him and Bo Nix up, and because Adam Anderson probably could have had five or six sacks in that game as many times as he worked his way free and got to the quarterback, but only came away with two. Uh, so that that's something I think they can do a better job of in, in terms of finishing. But uh, let's move on to Tennessee, Rusty. And, you know, I've watched a lot of Tennessee football the past two weeks. Georgia getting a late game, not traveling to the Arkansas game, was able to watch Tennessee quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, um, my number one thing that I think Georgia has to work on this week is just tighten chin straps because that offensive line is a very good offensive line. I don't know if I'd put it on Georgia's level from a year ago or two years ago, but, you know, it, there are a lot of talented players up there. They're big. They're physical. It's a, it's a very good offensive line. And I just think if Georgia can, again, win that battle in the trenches on Saturday against the number 12 team in the country, I don't think Tennessee, with everything they lost at wide receiver and the skill positions on offense – I don't think Tennessee can beat Georgia if it just cannot run the football. So I think that defensively, Georgia just got to tighten the chin straps uh, and 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 be ready to play and win the trenches again. And and that's the key to victory. Anything you want to add to that? You know, I think it comes down to quarterback play for Tennessee. Not only this week, but there there are other big games: Texas A&M, Florida, you know, Alabama. Those games, it's you know, because you look at. I went back and looked at some audio, uh, some of the CBS videos I did on Jeremy Pruitt a year ago uh, for the Tennessee game. And, you know, we all know what they've done recruiting. Now, have they recruited on the level of Georgia? Probably not. Have they recruited a lot better than when Bush Jones was there? Absolutely. And where they have got significantly better is the offensive line. And that's not just getting a transfer in Cade Mays. I mean, you're talking about Wanya Morris, Trey Smith. I mean, they got some NFL. They got guys that are going to play in NFL. Wanya Morris is going to play in NFL. Cade Mays is going to play in NFL. Trey Smith first certainly is going to play in NFL if he's not a first-round draft pick for health reasons. So, you know, Georgia has got their work cut out from them this weekend. Uh, you know, the Cade Mays factor is going to be um, – it's going to be something to see because we know – what Cade Mays is, and he is a very physical guy. He's a very physical guy. And I think long-term, the NFL is going to play inside. He's going to be a guard. 
and Georgia had him playing at guard. Uh, he could play tackle, and he probably would be the left tackle. The one game that you look at Cade Mays and say, and I'll say this too, knowing now how much his mind was in that Baylor game because he knew he was leaving two days later. Nobody else knew he was leaving two days later, but he knew in his mind he was about to be out of this place. He didn't play his best game against Baylor. He gave up some pressures, uh, a couple sacks, if I'm not from, you know, if I'm seeing things wrong. And George is going to give him, they're going to they're gonna bring some speed to him. Now, he has seen these guys for two, what, three years now, uh, at least two years, every day in practice. So, uh, that's going to be an interesting battle. Still think Cade May is a hell of a football player. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, there's there's some things there that we'll see this weekend because he's going to be matched up against some guys that can really, really push him on that edge. But he is a physical kid. And I'll tell you this, I don't know if their defensive line is quite there right now, but it's going to be about quarterback play for them. They got enough. They got enough uh, to keep this a ball game, I think, uh, to the fourth quarter. Last year it was a half. Maybe it gets to a fourth quarter. I predict this game 27 to 14. And, I, you know, right now I like that prediction. Uh, what is the spray at 13? Uh, it it uh, opened at 14. Opened at 14. I had it 27-14 preseason. Um, I still think, you know, I think I made it my note this should be a close game and Georgia pull away with a late touchdown. So I certainly anticipate a much more physical challenge this week for Georgia with that Tennessee offensive line, you're spot on. But I think ultimately, if Tennessee has a chance to upset Georgia, it's going to come down to their quarterback play, and he's going to have to play a really, really good game because I'm telling you, Georgia is going to make him beat them. They're not going to let those guys run the ball uh, like they want to. Georgia's defense is too good. They're going to crowd that box, and they're going to make him make some big-time throws uh, to beat them. I tell you what, if, if Tennessee still had Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings for their 19th year, um, <laughs> you know, if, if, if they would have gotten those guys for one more, um, I would, you know, this one would be doggone near a pick em for me. I mean, it would be close in my mind. Um, you know, I still – I think Georgia my, – my Sunday lean is, is Georgia wins this game. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, that losing what they lost at receiver – um, I think this is the first offensive line Georgia has faced that has a chance to stalemate or, or maybe even win the line of scrimmage just because Trey, Hill, uh, Trey uh, Smith brings so much attitude and those young tackles that, that played pretty decent a year ago, especially when, when uh, early on in that game are a year older. And, and, you know, obviously adding Cade Mays, Brandon Kennedy's been around for six years. He's their center. Um, they, they've got some good players up there. I think they're the first team that can kind of keep Georgia from decisively owning that line of scrimmage. And uh, that's something Georgia's going to have to get used to. But, um, you know, ultimately you look at the other side of the ball and, and you know, we know Jeremy Pruitt's chops as a defensive coordinator. He's going to come in with a good plan. And um, the, I still think, again, the defense is where this thing starts and ends because, you know, Jerry Guarantano is going to have a tough – task ahead of him he's gonna have to complete some third downs and and do those things and one other key to this game rusting it's something that i learned about saturday night i just did not expect it is twenty thousand people can be pretty dang loud twenty thousand five hundred and twenty six i believe it was officially 506 something like that how long you been in your house jake a year uh, what do you mean in, in the house i live in now your new house how long you yeah, been about there? five years five years 
would you bet the rest of your mortgage there was less than 30,000 or more than 30,000 there last night? I'd probably have to take them at their word for it, but I wouldn't feel good about it. I'd have to, I mean, because it felt like there were 35,000 people there Saturday night. I mean, it really did because in that pregame when they got fired up, that opening kickoff, when Kenny McIntosh takes it 30-something yards to near midfield, that place went nuts. It wasn't Todd Gurley loud in, in, in the Clemson game in 2014 or the Auburn game in 2014 when he – house kickoffs it wasn't as loud as Notre Dame last year but man it was loud it was every bit as loud as some of those as a as a third down sack at a noon kickoff against Arkansas State with 85,000 people in there it was every bit as loud as that I mean it it might be you know and 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 you look at the pictures from all over social and they're definitely except for the student section which is whatever the reason I mean those kids are gonna do what they're gonna do the upper level the club level and the rest of the stadium it looked spaced out so absolutely looked spaced out so maybe but i tell you i don't know that that was sixty-five thousand short in there maybe it is but look it is what it is and i've said this on a couple of our podcasts when georgia goes to alabama in two weeks i don't care what they say it is it's going to be more, and and Georgia fans have no room to complain. And, and just my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean that, that it's definitely changed my outlook on that game, the Georgia Alabama game, because you know you felt like going on the road with a capacity of twenty five percent that it wouldn't be as big of a road advantage. But Georgia had a home field advantage Saturday. Alabama's going to have one here in a couple weeks, and. Listen, we're going to have all that covered for you. We're going to come back to you later this week, hopefully with Kip in tow, uh, to talk about Tennessee and, uh, and, and our predictions for that game, our, predi- our player of the game predictions for that game. We're going to have all of that for you. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, we're out of time. I'm uh, Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Rusty Mansell from the same place, and we'll catch you guys later. Take it easy. has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.